Well, good morning. Thank you. I am so happy to be here with you this morning in this beautiful place that I called home for 30 years. My mother's 75th birthday was celebrated right out there in this courtyard with cake and fellowship. And she now resides in the columbarium overlooking the altar. I learned and grew here loved and supported by so many of you who convinced me late in life that I could answer God's call to become a priest. So my heart is full standing here. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. And that begins the hymn you will hear today in the offertory and it echoes our gospel for today. Five Sundays where the gospel of John leads us through what is called the bread of life dialogue and discourse. We have five Sundays to dive into what Jesus is trying to teach us about who God is, who God is not, and why Jesus tells us he is the bread of life. I recently read a blog by Father Michael Marsh, and it really resonated with me in terms of today's gospel. He writes, we live as hungry people in a hungry world. Everyone is looking for something that will sustain and nourish life, something that will feed and energize, something that will fill and satisfy. Everyone is looking for bread. The problem is not that we are hungry, but the kind of bread we eat. So, what are we hungry for? And what are we eating? Our first reading from Exodus speaks to the hunger for something that will satisfy, something that will nourish, and something that can be counted on. You might say that the Israelites were eating the bread of fear and resentment and complaint. Hills in Egypt more than their backs remembered the oppression of slavery. To move forward, they needed food they could count on that they could trust. Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He presented human need in an ascending order in the shape of a pyramid. And at the big bottom rung of that hierarchy, at the base of the pyramid, were needs essential for survival. His point being that these needs, such as the body's need and deep hunger for food, must be satisfied and secure first before one can even begin to experience higher things. God used those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to teach the Israelites higher things by first teaching them to trust and depend on the Lord God to provide, to experience day in and day out provision of manna in the morning and quail in the evening, to change their diet from the bread of fear and complaint to the bread of heaven 
the bread of faith and trust. Now, most of us don't worry every day about where we will find food for our very survival. And yet I am reminded when I see people who are unhoused or experiencing homelessness, dumpster diving in my alley, or gathered in the parking lot at Vons, or asleep on the sidewalk with a scraped clean fast food plastic box nearby, or the long lines at food distribution centers. About how many in our world do live at the bottom rung, stuck there with their needs unmet. They may find bread for today, but that bread perishes. And what about tomorrow? Our gospel reflects on the differences between bread that perishes and the bread of life. Now, last Sunday, Katie set the scene for us. Jesus asked Philip where to buy food for the growing crowd of 5,000 plus, and he asked it to test Philip, which Katie unpacked for us as the way Jesus stretched Philip's limited knowledge of the possible. Because Jesus knew that Philip would do the math and report that such a thing was impossible. And when Andrew points out a very generous boy who has offered five loaves and two fish, Jesus blesses and gives thanks, and then proceeds to feed the entire crowd himself with his own hands. Imagine the faces of the disciples as they watch this unfold, watching the power of God at work in Jesus. And then to drive the point home of faith and trust in God to his disciples, Jesus asks them to gather up the leftovers, and it fills 12 baskets. And as if that weren't enough, later that night, the disciples will see Jesus walk on water to their boat, get in the boat, and then somehow whisk the boat to Capernaum in a flash. Well, maybe that's why in our gospel today, it doesn't involve the disciples directly. The disciples were silenced, fed by higher things, the awesome mystery of God at work in Jesus. So our gospel involves Jesus and the crowd. Not the whole crowd, but the group that stayed on the grassy hillside and wanted to grab him and make him king. But Jesus eluded them and went up a mountain. They hungered for results, a never-ending food supply, perhaps free health care, a change in the political landscape, a sign that God was on their side and would rescue them from Roman rule. The crowd pursues the power they saw on that hillside, and they hungered for it. They wanted it for themselves and for Israel. They wanted more of what they thought that power represented. They misunderstood. They are eating the bread of the marketplace, of politics, of winning, of rule, and not of life. Jesus offers something more, something higher, himself. 
Now, in today's world, I admit that I too often hunger for results and a fix for all that's wrong with our world, eating the bread of impatience and judgment, not life. And so I think it's important to note what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, whoever comes to me will not suffer or feel pain or stumble or be rejected or lose or be a victim of violence or injustice. He does not say whoever believes in me will get the job or the part or find a mate or never be depressed or discouraged. Jesus did not come to be part of empire. Jesus did not come to be the food supply for the whole world as much as we might wish it. Neither did he come to provide free health care. Those are our responsibilities in this world. Jesus points to their bellies. It was not about, it was about the bread of life that endures forever. They misunderstand. The bread of life is Jesus. The bread of life is love the energy of love, the energy that gives, comforts, heals, praises, forgives, listens, fills, brings light and laughter and love. We complicate things. We forget. Too often we eat the bread that perishes. And so Jesus guides us teaches us, encourages us to aim higher. Now, at the risk of trivializing everything I have just said, I think it is important <clears throat> to recognize that the bread of life can show up in unexpected places in all kinds of bread. When my brother <clears throat> was going to Emerson Junior High in Westwood in the 50s, he would come home from school, open the bread box, take out the loaf of Wonder Bread, you know, in the bright white wrapper with the colorful circles, and then he would squish the thing like an accordion, since white Wonder Bread was mostly air, with a little bit of flour fortified and maybe some sugar. And it would compact into a small doughy ball, and then he would proceed to eat it, and wash it down with a can of high seed grape juice. Now, my recollection is that he did that every day that he didn't have baseball practice. You might even say it was a ritual. Eating Wonder Bread every day filled my brother's belly, and it fulfilled the lower rung of that pyramid. He could count on it. It was provided for him. It made him secure and happy. And it freed him to higher things, like playing games with his little sister and making her laugh. Everyone is looking for bread. The problem is not that we are hungry, but the kind of bread we eat. In a few minutes, we will come to this table to be fed 
by the bread of love, the bread of heaven. As we leave here today, ask yourselves, what are you really hungering for? And what kind of bread are you eating? Amen.